Welcome to Tangential Soup, a weekly podcast discussing life in Australia, technology, food, fitness, and the like. Hosted by myself, David Caddy, Melbourneian, independent developer, and tea enthusiast, as well as my good childhood friend, Alexander Carr, Sydney cider, slave to the man, karate practitioner, and lover of adventure. This week, we talk about crime fighting robots, cryptocurrencies, and a trip to the Philippines. saw this robot, Alex, that's uh, this little egg-shaped dude that was apparently picking on the homeless? I did, yes. Uh, although the title of the uh, article is a bit misleading because it says, uh, crime-fighting robot retired after launching alleged war on the homeless. In the Washington Post? In the Washington Post, yeah. Um, so it didn't wage a war on the homeless. Um, basically, what seems to have happened is uh, a, a company or a business has hired this robot to act as security for it um, around around its uh, around its building because it was it was being vandalized um, and there were a couple of break-ins um, and uh, what has happened is uh, basically the the function the robot performs is is it just simply patrols around and takes photos yes uh, so it's not really security so much as just a deterrent I guess and the uh, the, the the company themselves have released a, a statement, I think, at one point, and the whoever was making the statement suggested that it was uh, deterring homeless people from staying around the shelter. Um, and then everybody's got upset about this, um, and basically they've decided that this robot was uh, waging a war on the homeless people, which it was not at all. It's just simply walking around taking photos, and it's... Uh, it's got a very bad spin from the media. So I think the robot's technology is quite interesting because basically it's it's a moving camera. Yes. It's just a very sturdy-looking piece of equipment by this startup company called Nightscope. Yes, exactly. And then it, the company involved here was the RSPCA, was it? Or uh, no, was, it was some kind of... It's animal-related anyway. Yeah. SPCA. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's all a bit ridiculous because really it just tracks from the the purpose of the technology. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> can be rented uh, for six dollars an hour, which I find is quite interesting because surely this would still be at least relatively expensive technology. I would think. Um, I mean, even if it uh, even if it operates on the same uh, premise as you know one of those self driving vacuum cleaners that. Romba, is it? They, the Roomba, they move around yes. the, yeah. yeah, they move around the house on your own. I'd imagine it's a similar thing, right? It's just in robot and camera form. Pretty much. And it goes very slow and it seems like it stops when there's anything like moving in its general vicinity. So the smarts are pretty dumb. And it seems like um, this company goes and sets it up in the particular patrol route that it's going to go on. So... Really, it doesn't need to do that much in terms of sensing its environment. And it just keeps traveling along that particular route, constantly taking photos, like you say, sort of 360 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's probably not a lot in it. It is a very sturdy unit and probably has to be very heavy so people can't just pick it up and do all sorts of things with it. Although a previous one did end up in a river somewhere, didn't it? Yes, it did. <laughs> And apparently this one uh, ended up with some feces smeared on it. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. To me, that that just says a bit more about Los Angeles than it does about the technology. But uh... <laughs> probably. I mean, it's a fairly oppressive looking unit, isn't it? Even though it isn't actually doing anything that's very oppressive. Well, it is, yeah. And sorry, it's actually San Francisco, not uh, Los Angeles. Similar vibe. Similar vibe. I suppose so. I've never been there. Um, yeah, but obviously it's technology we're going to be seeing pretty shortly in the near future, quite quite commonly around the place. Um, I'd say in the next 10 years we'll be seeing these robots all around the place because they're a lot cheaper than uh, having a human security guard and they're probably a bit better as well because they're not going to fall asleep on the job. No, the other thing, they can't actually take any action to prevent anything. They can only document. Well, that's stage. that's a good point. Well, they can call the police, though, and I think the that's the main part of a security guard's job is just to alert the authorities if somebody needs to be stopped. That's yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. They can't deal with too much. Yeah, unless they're own. one of those, uh, like the, the people that uh, guard the money for banks or something like that. Mm. Pretty sure they can take action. Yeah, so I'll have a link into the show notes for this. You should really go have a look. It's a weird-looking thing. I don't know how I'd feel if I saw this trundling down the uh, footpaths. Um, I want to keep clear, but I don't know. It's got a mean, like, blue light eye sort of thing, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's actually got cat stuck all over it. Did you notice that? Well, yeah, that's because of the SPCA um, connotation for this particular unit, which they dubbed K9. Because the actual robot itself is called a K5. Oh, right. Or like the model. And then for this particular unit, they call K9 because, you know, the whole dog connection. Well, look, I think it's I think it's decent. Um, the first one was for uh, the Washington Harbour doing patrols yes. around there. That's the one that <laughs> ended up in the water. And they had to replace it. Do you know what's occurred to me with this, though? Um and now I kind of thought of it because of the whole fact that apparently feces had been smeared on the robot. But uh, what if it drives over poop? That's but probably just fine. Smell like poo. Well, it would, but it wouldn't affect anything. Apart from the smell. But I guess you're right. So I suppose there must be a maintenance schedule. Yeah, they'd have to bring it in and uh, hose it down from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> hose the poop off. <laughs> Hmm. But yeah, it's a fairly simple mechanism. We could probably go for a very long time without... Although, I, how is it powered, did they say? I suppose it's electric. Does it recharge itself? Does it have a docking station? It doesn't mention no anything idea. about that, but probably does, like the Roombas. Yeah. Just goes make... back and plugs itself in from time to time. Would make sense. Hmm. Um, how How long do you reckon it'll be until we have something like this in our homes? Obviously, probably with some arms and legs or, you know... A more all-terrain type thing. Doesn't seem like it'd be too far away, though. What would it do in your house, though? Well, basic housework, I guess. Okay. If you think about it, a robot could... I mean, there is already a robot that can uh, sweep the floors. But, mm-hmm. you know, it could maybe do more general tidying. General Perhaps. tasks are hard, though. That's That's where robots fall down in sort of the current climate. You can get a machine to do any one particular task and it will excel at that. But to try and have a robot that does or can do anything basically is very hard. Um, so given that fact, I'd say what you're asking for, it's going to be quite a ways away. 
But if you wanted a specific robot to vacuum your floors, that already exists. If you wanted one to, I don't know, make your bed, there's probably something for that that already exists that you could install. But they're very application-specific at the moment. I uh, I remember seeing something about a, a self-making bed. Um, basically, the, the covers were attached to the sides of the beds, which were also rails. Um, <laughs> and And then, like, I don't know, I suppose it had some kind of, I guess tolerance in the way that they were attached to the to the rails um so that you know you could kind of sleep under them quite comfortably then when you get out of bed you just press a button and um you know it, the rails just like tighten the the cover over the top of the bed and then slide up to the top and then it's just made the bed and i think the pillows are attached to the bed as well so i suppose it's a bit uh, unwieldy in some ways and you can't really rearrange your bed but uh yeah, I did. I did see that technology, but I can see how you're right. It wouldn't really, you couldn't really get that into a rhomba very mm. easily. Because really, what you want is like a android, a human sort of replicating type robot is the ultimate. Because everything on our houses have been adapted for the human form, um, and it that's works. a fair way away. Unless we adapt to a house that is more suited for robots working it which I don't think anyone would be that keen on. Okay, so here's an idea. Like, what's one of the more annoying things about, like, cooking and stuff? It's doing the dishes afterwards. Yes, and And we have a dishwasher already. Yes, well, we do have a dishwasher, but think of this, right? What if all of you, you could buy, like, special plates or, um, you know, special, special dishes, basically, with some kind of, some technology in them that the robot could identify... And then, you know, it's a robot with, like, arms or something. And maybe they could be... The dishes could have some metal in them and the arms could be magnetic. And then it could, like, reach onto the table, grab the dishes and then, like, know its way back to the dishwasher and have, like, a loading program for loading the dishes. And um, it could also sweep the floors um, and, you know, just do some general tidying. It's got sort of a few purposes. Yeah, yeah. And as long as you had a flat apartment, which, I mean, a lot of people do, especially in the city, um, you know, like it could it could just be on wheels. Yeah, you could probably make that. I imagine it would be quite slow, though. Well, yeah, but, I mean, you could just turn it on, like, when you leave the house. Yeah, yeah. I could see that working. Maybe we'll get something like that. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I mean, they are doing some crazy things. It's just a matter of getting the price down and manufacturing them. And also making them safe is a big thing. Yeah, well, that's a thing, isn't it? I suppose the more moving parts. You've got to have enough sensors everywhere to, like, if there's any sort of human or cat or, you know, whatever around that it will not apply force above what it can tolerate sort of thing. Which does exist, but that drives up the cost exponentially. So what you're talking about is making sure it doesn't run anything over or anything like that. Yeah, Right, okay. Well, also, I imagine this thing, if it's picking up dishes and that, it would have some sort of arm, right? Yeah. So you can program it to pick up a plate, but then what if your face is in the way of the the robot and the table and it's just going to pick up the plate, it'll just plow through you, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I get you, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why your face would be between those two things. No, no, no. Definitely. 
Well, that's why, uh, you know, in most manufacturing situations where they've got robots working, they're operating within cages and the robot has to be shut down when anyone's doing maintenance on them. Um, but there are this new breed of robots that within the arm itself is just like covered in sensors. And if there's pressure that it feels that is not part of the application that it's actually, or the function that it's currently performing, then it will back off or shut down or what have you. Oh my God, that sounds like a nightmare. I bet those things would be like misdiagnosing uh, things all the time and just... Well, that's your other problem too, right? Like what's your tolerance on various things? And Yeah. <laughs> if you go too far the other way, then it becomes useless. So it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's about fine-tuning these things. Well, uh, no, I'm sure there is a balance, but that must be horribly annoying to work with. Yeah, especially yeah. The but but then the idea is you can have human workers working alongside robot workers, which for some things you need, or would be very advantageous because you might have one part of the job that is incredibly mundane, doesn't require a lot of skill, but might require a certain amount of force that you can have the yeah. robot doing. Then you can have the human come along, and then while the robot's holding it or manipulating it, they can finish it off and do the skilled part of the job. Yeah, yeah, I hear. You. Yeah, so there's a big demand for it. They just haven't quite cracked it yet. Well, it's it's interesting that uh, you say that. I mean, obviously, the end goal is to have most things done by robots, isn't it? Yes, yeah, but not everything will be able to. And in the short, well, in the medium term, I suppose, um, we want more and more stuff done by robots. But... For a complicated manufacturing process, often you'll still have one or two pieces that, at least for the very foreseeable future, will need to be done by humans. Ultimately, I imagine that will be taken over, but then you're talking about a really incredibly smart robot or one that has a huge amount of articulation range and all this sort of thing. So that's the medium goal, to get as much done as possible with robots, and then in that case, you might need them working alongside human counterparts. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all interesting stuff. I know that we kind of talk a lot about the uh, the future of, well, a lot of things, really, on this show, but... Uh, Robo-Armageddon? Robo-Armageddon. <laughs> Hopefully not. Robo-Geddon? Something? Robo-Geddon. Oh, yeah, some kind of AI-Geddon. <laughs> well, you know, soon it will do most of the jobs for us. Well, it will, won't it? Be an interesting time mm. if uh, if nothing wipes us out first, which it may. It may. So, what uh, is this interesting story about cryptocurrencies, Alex? Um, well, I mean, not not so much interesting. I'm sure that uh, a lot of people have done this. Not um, interesting. But... In fact, very boring. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a little bit interesting. <laughs> I'll tell you the story, and you can you can make up your mind. Okay. So, um, someone I work with. Um, has uh, has actually been interested in cryptocurrencies for a, a little while, um, and she actually bought uh, Bitcoin back when it was at uh, about five hundred dollars Australian. Mm. Now, as you probably know, the uh, crypt- uh, cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin, um, or mainly Bitcoin, has just gone crazy recently. It's now at about twenty thousand Australian dollars. So, really, my interesting story was simply that I actually know someone who bought. Bitcoin and, and held on to it um, up to now and made a profit of, oh God, what's that? 500,000, 24, 
400%? Am I getting that right? I'm not getting that right. No. 4,000%. Yes, I think. 4,000%. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Which, yeah, is insane, obviously. Is she selling um, out? Uh, I believe she's partially sold out now. Um, Does seem like a good time to sell. Yeah. Um, without having really followed Bitcoin that much, I do know that it's had a bit of a dip recently. Um due to various factors, but other cryptocurrencies are, are still going, still charging ahead. Although you say that, because Bitcoin has gone um, up as far as it has, it seems a lot of like the other cryptocurrencies, which they refer to as altcoins, um, aren't doing as well as they were previously. I mean, the popularity has grown and there's a lot of interest in it. But they've sort of come back in their profitability, especially in terms of mining and that, because to buy any of those other ones, you need to have Bitcoin. So it all like goes through Bitcoin. And because it's sort of gone skyrocketing, the exchange rate between them has sort of gone a bit wacky, apparently. Okay. Mm. I, to be honest, I actually didn't know that. But yeah, there are so many other ones out there. Dogecoin, Litecoin, Ethereum... Yeah, Ethereum's the other big one, isn't it? Yeah. That's the one a lot of people are mining these days. It doesn't really make sense to mine Bitcoin anymore unless you have really specialized hardware. And the mining is... See, I haven't really paid enough attention to this, to be honest. And it would still even maybe be a profitable thing to get into, but just... I think maybe it it is profitable. Um, I was watching a few videos on this the other day, actually. It is definitely profitable to mine some of those other altcoins right now not hugely profitable like with a single good gpu you can make like 30 to 40 cents a day sort of thing that's factoring in electricity costs as well oh Um, really so i mean it's not too bad you can pay off a graphics card in like a year or something (laughs) oh really yeah and that's that's using it to its full capacity though is it yeah, pretty much, like, yeah, 24-7. But the rest of the system can remain idle. But, I mean, you could probably almost do that with your computer, put in a far more efficient GPU, and then the rest of the system's probably good enough, and it can just sit idle. You could have it chugging away in the background. Hmm, okay. That's an interesting idea. I don't know if I get into it, to be honest. No. Because then I'd have to buy the GPU. Yeah. But you can get a good one, apparently, for not that much money if you get, like, an ATI. Okay. I mean, I've currently got an ATI in there, but it's about six years old now. Yes. Yeah, you've got to get one of the newer ones. Um, Hmm. Because they're, well, not specifically designed for this necessarily, but whatever the changes they've made in more recent times has made it far more efficient at doing the hashing algorithms. Right, okay, okay. Honestly, I don't think it's something for me at the moment. Would you ever consider doing it? I'm tempted. I did actually also see this uh, the other day. That there was a video that came through on my YouTube stream that, although this is kind of nuts, but someone has gone to the trouble of writing a, an app for iPhones that does mining um, and it will just run in the background and keep chugging away. But the iPhone hardware is not really at all designed for this, so it's really just a novelty you're not actually winning in terms of electric electricity costs. But uh, I am kind of tempted because what if, if you start mining some coins, like as opposed to just getting it paid out straight away, 
and you just yeah. sit on those. Maybe one of these other ones will go eventually like Bitcoin does. And then, you know, like your friend or your colleague, you could be uh, making yeah. 4,000%. Well, it, it seems to me like if if Bitcoin does fall over, then there's going to be something to take its place. And whether that's a combination of cryptocurrencies or Ethereum, which seems to be the the likely successor. And like we've talked about before, Bitcoin will fall over because of the uh, way that it's been designed from a technological standpoint. It just won't be able to continue handling um, the processing power that it requires to handle every transaction. It just It's not scalable, so it will fall over at some point. It could still be a long time from now, but it will fall over and it looks like cryptocurrencies are here to stay, so I guess one of the other ones will come up. Whether it'll go quite as gangbusters, probably not. But you could still be sitting on pretty good money, I'd say, if you uh, start collecting it now. It's definitely a possibility. Well, yeah. I still think maybe IOTA is the one to get into, but you can't mind that. Yeah, now I know that you uh, you did mention that. and uh... I know Microsoft and Samsung have some sort of interest in it. And it solves all the scalability problems that Bitcoin have. Although a lot of these other ones also do that. So I don't know. But I feel like there's enough big players around it that it could be the one. could be the okay. one to watch. But you still have to buy it with Bitcoin. You do have... Well, I don't know if you have to buy it with Bitcoin. You probably do like all these other ones. But yeah, you can only buy into it. You can't mine it. Okay. So I don't know if that means it's just constantly distributed somehow or whether every iota coin that ever is going to exist already exists now or how that works. I need to do a bit more research, but yeah. I've heard some smart people talking about it and they're interested, so I feel like I should be too. Yeah, okay. Hmm. Well, it's still very cheap. Uh, one iota is going for $3.50. Yeah, that's not bad, eh? Yeah. Potentially. I mean, I mean, if it goes the way of the other cryptocurrencies, then uh, could be making hundreds of dollars. You could make a $10 investment now that could uh, pay off a lot. Yes. <laughs> I'm tempted. I'm very tempted to just buy at least a few, see what happens. Yeah, so am I, actually. But it's been something I've been thinking about for a while. I haven't done anything about which is my own fault, so... Yes, well... There you go. You snoozed, you lose. Mm, Exactly. So, Alex, you're going on a big holiday. Uh, yes, I am. Um, my biggest holiday for about three years now. Yeah, and organized fairly last minute, really, as well. Yeah, well, relatively last minute, I suppose. Um, I know you were talking about going to WA to do some diving, and you've given up on that plan. I have, I have. To go um, diving in the Philippines. Yes. Look, I, I feel that there are some... Uh, some destinations more than others that you need to plan ahead for. Um, and I am generally of the impression that with Southeast Asia, you can kind of get away with just packing your bags and going for the most part. Hmm. Now, I am uh, definitely the type of person who doesn't prepare for things very well. Fortunately, Samantha's not the same and she uh, she's a lot more organized. But I, um, yeah, I only kind of, I was sitting on the couch yesterday and I was like, oh my God, do we need a visa for the Philippines? Fortunately, Samantha looked it up months ago, but well, not months ago, but a while ago. <laughs> you know, I think I, I thought of it at the start and then I just forgot. 
But oh, uh, yeah, that was that was last minute. It's a fairly important because, detail. Yeah, you you kind of need to think about that. Yeah. But um, yeah, that was that was basically where I was at. Yeah. <laughs> so where are you actually going in the Philippines? Um, <laughs> no, so so everything's booked. Everything's booked for the Philippines, all accommodation, everything like that. Um, flying into Manila, which Manila. is uh, I think the capital. Yes. Um, and then flying over to an island called Palawan. Okay. Uh, which is, I think, one of the, the more popular touristy places in, in the Philippines. Um, so we're going to uh, fly into Porto Princesa to begin with. Uh, and we're staying there for four or five days, I think. Uh, and then we're traveling up to El Nido, uh, which is another popular place. Uh, I think that's a bit more famous for its beaches. Uh, and then we're spending another four or five days there, or maybe six days there. Uh, and then we're flying over to Boracay. Um, now, Boracay is probably one of the main t- touristy places in uh, the Philippines. Um, and I suppose it gets a bit more of that, uh, the, the the crowds that I don't really tend to like in Southeast Asia, which is, you know, the kind of dirtier uh, party crowds that just go over to, to Asia to drink, mm. um, which is which is unavoidable. In, in some cases, you know, you've got to go through those areas at least. But apparently it's quite nice in, in certain areas. Um, there are certain spots that are more party areas, but there are also other areas that you can just sit down and relax in. So we've we've booked a uh, a place in Station 3 there. Um, now, it's it's just a kind of small island. Um, Boracay's kind of a smallish island. And uh, the beach is to, uh, divided into three stations. Uh, station 1 is like the luxury area. Station two is the um, kind of the the backpackerish area, so that's the place where you tend to get the most partying. Uh, and station three is a bit more naturey, but also a bit more low priced as well. Um, we've actually gone with a fairly decently priced resort um, style place there that just looks over the beach. Um, but that'll just really be our relaxing time. We'll just sit down, drink cocktails, and watch the sunset over the water. You know that kind of thing. A few more cocktails, a bit more sunset. Some massages, the standard the resort stuff. practices. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we're not going to be uh, we're not going to be breaking any new grounds. But so where are you going diving, or everywhere? Um, so you can actually go diving in all three of those places. Uh, Porto Princesa has a beach called Holden Honda. Sorry, Honda Beach. <laughs> I mixed up the beach names because they're both car manufacturers. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, Honda Bay um, is apparently quite quite a nice beach area. Uh, you can dive around there. Uh, El Nido is very famous uh, for diving. Apparently, it's one of the one of the more famous places in in the world for it. Um, and in uh, in Boracay, you can you can dive off the beaches there as well because they're it's a beautiful beautiful area. And of course, the Philippines is kind of quite island islandy. Very. Yeah. Uh, so all the islands, or a lot of the islands, have um, there's thousands of islands, isn't there? There is, yeah, 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 and a lot of the islands have uh, like coral around them and everything like that. So you can you can actually just take a boat out there and just dive the the coral mm. or whatevs. So is that the main activity apart from relaxating? Um, yeah. Well, as you know, I wanted to go diving. Uh, so yes, originally somewhere in WA. Yeah, um, Ningaloo Reef in WA. Tourism um, Australia is going to be very upset at you. Not that they're but a sponsor. They, are, but they they don't really they haven't really made an effort to to make Ningaloo a particularly nice place to go diving. Um, one of the main reasons I wanted to go diving 
is because of uh, bleaching that's happening to to the coral mm. uh, all around the world, actually. Um, and this idea kind of came from someone who I met um, who was talking to me about the fact that uh, he he had been to um, the Great Barrier Reef in about 1998, and he said it was it was beautiful back then. And he came back now, and he could barely recognise it because all the coral has been bleached. Um, and if you kind of look it up, I think about 95% of um, the, the coral in the Great Barrier Reef has been bleached. Um, now, bleaching isn't necessarily permanent, but apparently after, uh, I think, two or three bleaches, um, it will actually kill the coral. So... Um, Still not necessarily permanent, but it would take a long time to come back, and with the conditions how they are, it probably won't happen anytime soon. So, yeah, it seems unlikely. So, basically, what happens uh, when coral is bleached is that um, it gets a, a flood of warm water um, from an area of, of the ocean, um, and it, it kills all the, uh, the bacteria that sits on top of the coral, mm. um, and that's why it loses all its colour. Um, and then if you get a few of those happen um, a season or a few of those happen in, in a shorter period of time, then it'll actually kill the coral that sits underneath as well. So currently the coral may not be dead, but it's in the kind of, I guess, shock state. Um, and if it keeps on getting the, the tides of warm water or whatever you'd say through, um, it'll kill the, it'll kill the uh, what is coral? An animal? A tree? Some sort of Flora. organism. Yeah, the organism itself. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, so that hasn't really been happening in the Philippines, um, but obviously it's happened all along the Great Barrier Reef. Hasn't apparently happened uh, in the Ningaloo Reefs. Um, they're apparently the best uh, that exist in Australia at the moment. Is that a difference between the east and west coasts or just that particular reef has managed to... Uh, no, so I think all the, all the reefs along the east coast have... Um, have been bleached pretty badly, so I think it might be an East Coast thing. Okay. Yeah, but apparently it's, it's it's happening to reefs all over the world, obviously because of global warming being what it is. Hmm. Hmm. state of affairs. Well, look, it is, but it's it's the world we live in, I guess. So you want to see it before it all goes? Well, very selfishly, that was actually my reason for <laughs> for wanting to dive. Um, I did. I so I've I've done a bit of diving. Um. In the Philipp- uh, sorry, not in the Philippines, in Vietnam. Um, but really, I just I just did diving there to get my uh, open water diving license, which is kind of I guess the entry level diving certificate that you would do. Um, and when I was there, it had very poor visibility, and uh, it was quite cold as well. And uh, there, there wasn't really any wildlife there to see when we went diving, so wasn't really exactly a diving experience I wanted. Um, however, I'm hoping that the Philippines will be different and that, uh, the recent, uh, typhoons that have been happening there haven't affected things too much. Cause I know what'll happen is if you get a serious storm through the area, it'll A, mess up the visibility in the water and B, it might destroy the coral as well. Mm. Hopefully neither of those things have happened, but, uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see. And hopefully it doesn't, uh, mess up your travel arrangements either. Uh, no, well, no, I hope so as well. Um, from my understanding, it's just been a lot of heavy rain, which has uh, caused uh, caused some some mudslides there, which have killed a few people, uh, unfortunately. How are you going from one place to the other? Like once you're there, is that all air travel or? 
Uh, well, because it's islands, a lot of it will be air travel. Um, so the, the trip from Manila to Palawan and Palawan to Boracay and Boracay back to Manila will all be by air. But the trip from uh, Porto Princesa to El Nido, they're both on the Palawan Island. So uh, okay. they'll be done by bus. Cool. Which isn't too bad. It sounds like it'll be a fun trip. Yeah, I'm hoping it will be. We'll see what you say when you get back, I suppose. Yeah. Um, hopefully I have lots of cool things that I can post on uh, on the uh, Tangential Soup website. Yes. A few cool pictures. Lots of happy snaps. Mm, Samantha's was... fancy camera. Yeah, I was going to actually get a GoPro, but... Uh, you should. Uh, can I afford it, though? Sure. I mean, you know, at the, <laughs> at the lower end, they're not that expensive. Yeah. Um, look, I was looking at them and I didn't end up getting one. Maybe if I see one for cheap over in the Philippines, I'll grab it. But uh, yeah, I don't have one at the moment. You should just go to JV right now. Well, that's actually a good point. The Boxing Day sales exactly. are on, aren't they? Yeah. Hmm. I was actually in JB Hi-Fi earlier today. Oh, no. What were you getting? Uh, We're just looking around. Um, Actually, that's another interesting point that I was going to make. We were looking around for a co-op game that you can play split screen for Xbox One that's an RPG-type game. Probably doesn't exist. Well... Did you find one? (laughs) There are a couple. So, I mean, if you want to go on kind of the more basic end, there are the uh, Lego games. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which aren't really RPG. Um, I mean, they've kind of got some elements, but they're more kind of puzzle and campaign type games. Um, there's a game called Divinity, uh, which the uh, which a gentleman at uh, EB Games suggested. Um, he said it's quite fun, but it's again, it's not really RPG. It's just more of a campaign type thing with lots of puzzles that you can tackle. Um, and there's Diablo, which to me, it's it's got like that top top down view. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you're yeah. Kind of, you're sitting over the game, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, but not really what you're I like after. To, I like to be able to see my character's back or see from my character's point of view. I think that's my favorite view to have. Hmm. Actually, just looking through their eyes. And yeah, the the only alternative is get another Xbox and then sit next to each other on two screens and <laughs> play play on uh, Xbox Live. Yes, and another TV. Yeah, and another TV, uh, which isn't ideal. So, um, yeah, I guess we're we're kind of stuck with those two options, Divinity or Diablo. Not that they're bad options necessarily, but it just seems ridiculous that there are more games out there. Yeah, split screens going the way of the dodo. Which is, I, I, I don't know, honestly, I find it ridiculous, but uh, it is ridiculous. just the way it is. It is ridiculous. They're missing out on the market, like... Consoles are for home. They are for in front of the couch. Mm. But they're mm. just going more and more the way of the PC, I suppose. Yeah. Well, I mean, the obvious exception to that is Nintendo. Well, that's who, true. That's true. They're making are still far more of an effort. That market. Yeah. yeah. But all their products are ridiculous, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Switch has done that. very well, and everyone says probably the two best games that came out this year are probably their um their ones in terms of uh uh what's the one with link zelda zelda the the new zelda and then also the new mario odyssey one people love those two games really yeah really classic characters but done really well 
Apparently. I thought that the Switch was really stupid and nobody liked it that much. Um, I mean, it's quirky, but no, people tend to really like it. Oh, really? I haven't heard too many people complain. Like, there's uh, complaints here and there, but as an overall package and what you get and the games that are available, it seems like Nintendo has done really well this time, unlike yeah, the Wii okay. before it. Well, I mean, okay. the Wii U. Wii was pretty big, too. Yeah, I think the Wii did well. Yes, but the I Wii U, they were really struggling to move those units. Yeah, okay. Wow. Mm. Well, that's fantastic news. And they've got a new console on the way, don't they? A new, new one. Yeah. No, the Switch will, uh, the Switch only came out like early this year, so they're not going to bring out a new one. They might bring out an updated one at some point to give it a bit more oomph, but I'd say that's at least another 12 months away. At least. Actually, do you know what we never followed up on? The Atari. What happened to that? Oh, the new Atari. Mm. Good question. What did happen to that? I haven't heard anything else about that. Oh, okay. Atari Box, I think. Dot com. Yeah, something like that. It still says crowdfunding soon, so I guess nothing has actually happened yet. Oh, Whether okay. it will or not, who knows? I do like the look of it though. The old school yeah. consoles with the uh wood panelling. Very retro. Well look, it could be amazing. I guess we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Yeah, but for the moment you maybe you could almost think about getting a switch. It does seem fun and for, you know, local multiplayer. It's well, pretty good, I think. Maybe it's the way to go. I've got to say, I haven't... This Xbox One that I bought hasn't really been the investment I would have liked it to be. Because I, I kind of like... That's what I like to have in my consoles. I like to have mul- local multiplayer, like the co-ops. Yeah. Uh, where you can do split screen. And there's just nothing for it. I mean, I have one friend who I play uh, Call of Duty Zombies with. And we really enjoy that. But for me, I suppose right now, console gaming is... It's never going to be about sitting down and playing it while I... Like, sitting down and playing it and trying to be competitive online. Mm. Because A... You're not good enough. I suck. Yeah, I'm terrible. And B, <laughs> I just... um, Like, if you're a casual gamer, it's actually just not very fun to do that. No. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, you're playing against people who play a lot more than you and you just inevitably suck. And you know if you can't if you can't be good at a game for me at least I just I just don't really enjoy that side of things, and I mean David you and I play StarCraft um, very rarely, um, and we had a winning tactic at one point but generally speaking we get our butts kicked. We do, um, but you know that's on PC and I feel like on PC at least you can try to be competitive. But on my console I've basically forgotten how to use the controllers now, and. You know, you've got to learn all the buttons. And it actually requires hours to put into it. And I don't have hours to actually learn these games. So no. if they're not games that I've already kind of built up a bit of playtime in, I'm just not going to have the time to do it. Yeah. So maybe Nintendo is the way to go because, yeah, Xbox is just not really doing it for me. And I don't really play my console anymore. Yeah, well, Nintendo have always been looking for family entertainment. I guess they're like the Disney of the console market, of the games market. Yeah. And I guess they still figure families are sitting around a TV together, even if no one else is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, maybe it's the way to go. Uh, maybe if I go into EB and I can trade my Xbox One for a uh, a Switch, I might do that. 
I've got a few games as well. You probably could, yeah. I mean, the Switch is... Uh, well, the Xbox, the original Xbox is now cheaper than the Switch, but not by a heck of a lot. So with a few games chucked in and you've probably got an extra controller. Yeah, well, I've got I've got four controllers, actually. Oh, so. okay. I feel like you might even come out slightly ahead. They might chuck yeah, okay. in a game for you or something. I wonder if it would be better to try and put it online, though. Yeah, pro- oh, it probably would be. Like, the, the trade-in rates are never that generous. Yeah, yeah. You would be better off flogging it on Gumtree. How's your Airbnb going? Um, yeah, my Airbnb. So, just to give our listeners a bit of a backstory here, I, uh, I've i never used Airbnb before, um, but two days ago on the 24th of December, um, <clears throat> not to give away when we uh, recorded this as opposed to <laughs> <laughs> when it's been released, but um, mm. two days ago, I um, uh, had my first guest check-in. Uh, so, someone from Melbourne... Um, so far, he's messaged me once to ask me how to use the TV, uh, which I gave him some instructions for, and I haven't heard from him since. Um, basically, my house is set up uh, in such a way that... So I still have some of my personal stuff there, like my my wardrobe has all my clothes in it, um, and I've stuck a sign on it saying, please don't use this wardrobe. If you want a wardrobe, there's one in the living room. Um, there are two beds in the house, um, both of which are available to the guests. Um and they can use the fridge, which has some of my stuff in it. Uh, so it's got some of my food in it. But they also have like a few free shelves to themselves. Um, and some of my... I've, so I've basically cleared cupboards for them to use and stuck signs saying, please use me, uh, along with all the, the plates and glasses and stuff. Okay. So... How long are they in there for? Uh, so my current guest is there uh, until the 30th. Um and on the 30th, he is going to check out and then someone else is going to check in later in the day. Um, How are you managing that when you're not here? Uh, so the, a friend of Samantha's is actually uh, going to manage the house. So I, as, I, as I've told you, David, I spent on um, a few, basically a day before my first guest was checking in, I spent about nine and a half hours deep cleaning the house. So hopefully that will mean that the floors might just need a bit of a vacuum. Yes, you you messaged me at six a.m. saying you're up until one. You didn't yes. get a lot of sleep that day. I did not. No, it was horrible. <laughs> um, so basically, yeah, um, I worked from eight o'clock through to one thirty a.m. and then from six or no, about seven a.m. through to eleven thirty. So it was about nine and a half hours or ten hours of just solid house cleaning. <laughs> well, that's um, like a million bucks now. Well, I think it needed it, to be honest with you. Like it just needed a bit of a clean. Uh, but now that it's had it, um, hopefully it won't need it again, at least for the duration of my holiday. Um, so this person, she's just going to go into the house, change the bedding, wipe down the surfaces, replenish whatever needs to be replenished, and that'll that'll be it. Bob's your uncle. Hmm. Well, it sounds yeah. like you've got it all sorted then. Are you getting a decent rate? I suppose so. Um. Well... It's about 80 bucks a night, 80 or 90 bucks a night. Okay, that's not bad. Which is all right, which is okay. Um, and especially because these are my first guests, I don't really know if I could be charging more just because I don't know if I can... Kind you don't of... have any reputation. Yeah, exactly. So I guess I'll see how these particular batch of guests like it and if I get good scores, then maybe I'll be able to get more in the spare bedroom while I'm 
trying to find a housemate. Um, I've got to say it's all been a bit of a hassle though. So oh, I, I, I would have preferred to have someone living there than have to go through this. But you know, it is what it is. You didn't manage to find anyone then. I mean, clearly you didn't. But that that guy that you were messaging and anyone else, all of them flaked out like those previous three, did they? Yeah. Oh, it annoyed me so much. Um, yeah, basically, <laughs> I, I've had I've had several people flake out on me. Um, I am I'm currently in contact with a few more, but uh, I haven't kind of been able to sort that out. So, no, well, you can't do anything now, I suppose. It's all just been a bit of a hassle. Thanks again for joining me, Alex. Not a problem, David. Pleasure as always. You can follow and get in touch with us on Twitter at Tangential Soup, and you can find this week's show notes with more information about today's topics at tsp.fm slash 30. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with anyone you think might also, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Ciao. So you want to talk about our bowling adventure, Alex. You were down here for a bit of a pre-Christmas family gathering. I was indeed. Back in good old Victoria. Yes, yes. And there was a bit of an incident in the bowling lanes, which you were a witness to. Which was hilarious. <laughs> Little um, did you know when you were putting your name down what it would lead to. Yes, yeah. So basically, just to give our listeners a bit of context... Um, I don't, I don't bowl very often. This is 10-pin bowling we're referring to. Um, and the, the, probably the majority of my bowling was done when I was, when I was younger. Um, and as our listeners may or may not know, when, uh, I, I guess in the early days of the bowling lanes, um, you can only put three characters in for your name, uh, which was obviously some ridiculous system restriction. Oh, is that where it comes from? Yeah, that's where it comes from. So uh, in, my, in my youth, uh, I used to very maturely put my name down as Poo or Wee or something else equally immature or Bum. Bum, I think I used a few times. Um, so as a throwback to that, um, David, when we went bowling, I decided to put my name down as Poo. And I very boringly put David. <laughs> yes, because obviously those restrictions no longer apply. You can put as many characters in as you like. Um, and you were David and I was Poo. Now, this was fine for our first game. It was, yes. And this is, of course, displayed above the lane in which you were bowling. Yes. A lovely is, television yeah. display. Yep. Keeping track yep. of your score. Yep. So, um, you won our first game quite convincingly. Marginal. And um, I think the first one was convincing. The second one was a bit marginal. Well, I mean, the second one we ended up bowling for each other, but that's a we different did. part of the story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, anyway, so... Uh, we're, you won our first game and we were we were going fine. Um, and I think one bowl into our second game, we uh, one of the attendants came over and asked us if we'd like to move because there were a bunch of children coming into our area. Um, and I think they wanted to, uh, you know, they were, they were being nice to us essentially. I think they, they didn't really need us to be out of there. They could have fitted the children in around us. Um, yes, because the bowling alley was split into sort of two sections. There's a smaller section with like four lanes and then the bigger section with maybe another ten. Yes, exactly. And so there was a children's party coming in and they asked us whether we could move to the bigger section from the smaller section yes. so the kids could just run wild in that smaller space. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. which we which we agreed to. Um, and um, 
we got set up on our new lane and the children came in uh, to the waiting area, which was located right next to where our new lane was. Um, and we, uh, we were kind of right on the edge of the larger area and we had a, uh, uh, I guess it's almost like a, a viewing runway on, on the side of our bowling lane. So the children were actually lined up along the side of our lane watching us bowl. And I think on, on the very first bowl that we made there, I got a strike. You did, um, yeah. Which impressed them a lot. <laughs> and um, the children were probably, I don't know, maybe uh, 10-ish years old. Um, yeah, probably so around so, that mark. So some of them, unfortunately, could read. <laughs> and um, it didn't take long for a uh, a pretty loud chant to go up among the kids. Every time I stepped up to the lane, Go poo! Go poo! Go poo! Go poo! Go! Across the entire oh alley. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> They were so loud and it was so embarrassing. <laughs> the best part, though, was when you got, like, the next strike and they held out their hands sort of across the barrier so you could just <laughs> yes. high-five them running back. <laughs> yeah, and they were still cheering me as poo. Um, yes. <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. What can you do in that situation aside from... Uh... Just own it and roll with it. Yeah, exactly. They were chanting out my name a little bit too. It was good they to were. have a little old cheer squad there. No, they they were. They were. And I think, that, you know, they supported us both fairly equally. They did, just, yeah. Um, and yeah. then all the rest of them got their shoes and then they ran off before our game finished. But, you know, for that period of time, it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, a bit embarrassing. <clears throat> Even for me, that was a bit embarrassing. <laughs> I did love when you uh, wrote that name down and the woman looked at it and she went, charming. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you've got to expect that, don't you? Yes. <laughs> I didn't realize that was the origin that you only had three letters to work with. Yeah. As little yeah. as you might bowl, I like never bowl. So I didn't realize that was the thing. But that makes some sort of sense. Though it doesn't explain the name Dr. Poopy. Um, which comes from where? Where do I use Dr. Poopy? You used that in Call of Duty 4, and then somehow Josh ended up with that account, but he swears that you came up with the name. I think I did, yeah. But then he owned that for years, and because he was really good at Call of Duty 4, that name became respected in Call <laughs> really? 4. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's hilarious. Yeah, he was in the top 100-something, wasn't he? Yeah, well, he played for a long, long time. The amount of hours he sunk into that game. Yeah, he was he was one of the better ones. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Poopy became famous because of me. Yes. <laughs> uh, 